0: Hello and welcome to our podcast series created by us here at Broadsword called Be Listening. Today, we are joined by Claire Fenelow. She's the Executive Director of EFCOM, having several decades of experience behind her in the planning and delivery of national and international programs and events, including professional development, award schemes, B2B and consumer events, conferences and bespoke projects. A considerable amount of her work life has been spent amongst the creative sector. And I could go on, but I'll let her explain the details. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. We're extremely excited to have you on today. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Can you tell us more about your background and how you made your way into the role of executive director at EVCOM? And can you explain what EVCOM is?
1: Well, sure. So let, let's start with that latter question first. So, EVCOM represents um, the corporate event. Agencies and corporate film agencies, very specifically, um, and we're the only um, association or organisation that reseps, represents both those groups, which w- when it merged about 10 or 11 years ago um, was possibly considered a little unusual. But I think over time and particularly through the pandemic, um, the use of content and film in events has become increasingly common um, and now it makes a lot more sense that those two uh, sectors sit together in the same organization. And then in terms of how I got here, well, it's, it's, it's been a long and winding road. <laughs> um, I've spent a, a, a lot of time in and around events in one way or another and content, I suppose, but never in that corporate sector but I have worked in corporate environments, if you see what I mean. So um, mm. I've done a lot of uh, you know, work within the conference business um, and then have used that experience in, in other organisations when I've maybe gone um, more on the sort of not-for-profit side of, of things where I've been organising programmes, I suppose, um, events, awards, schemes, um, and a whole myriad of other things, more in the creative sector, I suppose. So I've kind of flip flopped between sort of very business-oriented roles and catering towards the business community, and then in in uh, organisations that maybe have have leaned very much more towards the creative um, sectors and industries, and uh, that has required different skill sets, really. So both of those things have come together in a way um, to to lead me to evcom because i know film and i know events i just needed to learn the corporate piece so and and there I, there i am i have been here 3 years now and uh, it it's be, it's been great to have a whole new sort of sector open up to me really
0: you mentioned that your career path has not been very linear can you tell us about some of the twists and turns you've experienced along the way and some of the transferable skills you've picked up from this?
1: Yes, well, it's been quite a journey. Um, I started off, I went to art school and um, came out uh, with the expectation of a, of a job in, in an advertising agency and I got my first job in an ad agency as, a, uh, as part of a team. We worked in teams and I was a junior copywriter working with an art director and I um, I hated it. <laughs> sort of, you know, I've realized that, you know, it just wasn't the job for me. I just, but I, that's what I've been studying to do. And, you know, that I, I, there's I you need a certain sensibility to work in an ad agency. And it's, uh, you know, I just didn't have it. I, I'm a completer finisher. I like to work on something, finish it, see the result. And a lot of the stuff you do in an ad agency just ends up in the bin and doesn't get used for whatever reasons, and I found it soul-destroying. Anyway, it wasn't for me and I moved on. Um and uh, after a few years of what I call being in slightly in the wilderness where I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my 20s, I found my way into the conference industry. And it was a very different place then um, because the conference industry in those days was you kind of did a bit of everything. You, you did the research. So you were speaking to people on the phone all day because pre-internet. Sorry, I am that person. And. Um, it was all a research, then you wrote the programme, so it was a, sort of a bit of a kind of journalism thing. Then you ran the event and you put on the conference, you know, and you were there on the day and you delivered it. And uh, I, I discovered I was quite good at that. And I ended up staying in, in that particular world for five years and ended up training um, international, um, all the other companies, um, the the, the, the offices we had in other parts of the world. And I used to, I spent two years um, going all around the world training others. Um, so that that was fascinating. And, and it really gave me a, 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 a new start, if you like, on a another career trajectory, which I very much enjoyed. Um, it was stressful though, and uh, constant. And I, I was missing the creative world. And I then went back, I went to to work for a not for profit organization called DNAD, which represented the creative industries. Um, So that brought my knowledge of advertising because it represented ad agencies, design companies, photographers, and so on. And I was head of education there, and I I did awards shows, programs for students. Exhibitions, all sorts of stuff. And then over the years, I was in and out of that organization several times. I kept going back. <laughs> um, and then I would leave and go back into the sort of conference world, um, working in big PLCs, EMAP, UBM, and doing conferences more for publications. Um, so I think what's important to recognize there is that you can take skills from different, from the different jobs you do. I mean, I learned a lot in big, PLCs, because you learn to be quite uh, cutthroat about your decisions, you know, don't hold on to things that aren't working, move on, move on all the time. And then you can take that into the not-for-profit world, which can sometimes be in danger of getting a little attached to stuff <laughs> and and wanting to rescue things when really, you know, they they, they should be put out to pasture. If, if an event's not working, you need to be quite brutal about it sometimes. So, you know, you can bring those kind of elements into the not-for-profit. And then I also learned you you take things from the not-for-profit world, which are often more about customer engagement and making sure your your members, your uh, people who access your um, programs are happy and like what you do and will keep coming back. And I think particularly in a fast-moving corporate environment that can often be forgotten. Um, So, you know, you you learn a lot, and I, I, I would really recommend, if you can in your career, trying some very different roles and different environments in which to do those roles because you have to adjust and adapt.
0: Yeah, you never know what skill will come useful in any part of your life, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you just learn to move with what you're in. So, you know, you, you, you understand collaboration a bit more. You, um, you understand that you can't all necessarily do things the way you want to do them, but you're having to adjust to uh, the way the land lies where you are. Um, and I think that just makes you very aware of the ebb and flow of a business that you're in.
0: There's already been a massive shift after COVID with many people adapting a four-day work week, people not going into the office every every day, and the talk of transferable skills. Um, What do you think the future of modern work practice is?
1: Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's a tricky one. You know, it's really hard to, to know which way it's going to go. And I do think it's very different um, in the big cities. And I do think it's very different in terms of where you are in your career and what age you are. You know, all of those things are influential on how the workplace works for you. I mean, I would like to think we, we we will have to find ways to collaborate effectively and i'm I'm not wholly convinced that's doable over zoom um and I think eventually there'll be a bit more of a settling down of how the workplace works um and I think we need to be very mindful of. Uh, younger people coming into whatever industry you're in that they need training they need to learn by example they need to see what other people do and that's not always possible from home but I do think what it is doing in terms of the skills we're developing is is that people are learning to be a lot more self-directed and because we're forced to collaborate in new ways, we are finding new ways, you know, and who knows, you know, the metaverse might open out a whole new landscape for everybody in which to do that and make it much easier. Um, but I I think we're a long way to go before finding something that we settle on, um, that, that, works, um, so, you know, my answer is I don't know. <laughs> it's it's I, I think it's too soon to tell and, and there are too many variables to come down on one side of the fence or the other. Personally, I like coming into the office two or three times a week because I like people and I like a city and um I would like to work with other people who feel the same because I think you can't beat being in a room with somebody and getting to the bottom of a problem and solving it together. There's nothing more satisfying um, than doing that. But I would, not expect, I would not expect everybody else to feel the same.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how you start to learn how everyone works differently, who works better in an office environment, who works better at home, and then just bringing their ideas to the group.
1: Yes, it, it, will, it, it probably has accentuated and forced people's, their, their original underlying characteristics, which they either had to mask to fit in into a work environment, um, or, or, or now those of us that are a bit more extrovert and like a, uh, an office environment are having to learn how to really listen and read people on a screen. So we're all having to really rethink our own personalities and how they work dealing with other people. I feel that
0: many people I know in the events industry, they didn't actually start in events. They almost fell into the role, so to say. Uh, But nowadays there are loads more courses you can study at university and there's a real push to show that this is an actual career path you can choose hmm. what advice would you give to someone who is considering a career path in events or kind of around that commercial side especially someone who is starting out
1: with that non-linear career path well I think you've just got to um accept the twists and turns really you, you know you're going to learn something at at, at everything you do um even if it doesn't sort of feed into your onward career journey, you'll have learned something, even if it's, right, I don't want to do that. Um, and, I, and I think there's there's possibly a little too much emphasis on the sort of end goal when really, you know, so much interesting stuff can happen on the way. You know, you can take some really odd turns and then think, well, well, I never expected to end up here, but but this is rather good, uh, and and I think as long as you accept that you you can always change again, um, you know none of it's the end of the world, and I think, you know if you're not enjoying something, move on. I you know I really there's no point putting yourself through pain, um, and I have I have done that on, on quite a few occasions, you know, and it could be argued when I look at other other people who have stuck to the same thing that maybe got further faster. Um, but it depends what you want out of life. You know, I've, I feel like I've had some really fascinating jobs and have met some amazing people along the way that I've had just stuck in one profession I would never have met. Um, and, and, and for me, the whole thing has been a lot more interesting than, say, just staying working for me in a, in a conference company all the time. I've enjoyed the the variety. But, you know, again, that comes down to your individual nature. I really like that. Um, But I also think it just opens doors that you wouldn't necessarily have gone looking for. And I think in life that's really, really important. You you know, if, if you've got everything planned out and that's where you want to go, if it doesn't quite work out, then the disappointment is huge. Whereas if you're kind of like, right, well, we'll just see where's this going to go? This looks interesting. Let's take that fork in the road. Um, I just just think you're allowing yourself to, to live the road that unravels in front of you rather than constantly trying to steer your life onto that path over there because that's where you said you were going. So I think it's just go with it is what my advice is. Yeah, it's really about that journey yeah. that is to that goal. Because it's a long journey. You know, I've been working since I was 21 and I'm, you know, getting on. And and so you're, you're a long time in the workplace. So you may as well find interesting things to do.
0: Something that you like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something that you like. Because believe me, I've had a few jobs that I didn't like. And uh, yeah, you need to exit those with as much speed and dignity as possible. <laughs> So it's
0: International Women's Day this month, coming up in March. Uh, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing women in the events industry? And how have you personally navigated those challenges in your own career?
1: Well, I still think I, always for me, the, the, the biggest challenge always is, 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 is soon as, as soon as you have a family, really. you know, everything changes. Um, And I think for women, it has always been that we are the harder hit career-wise because we generally take on uh, more uh, ownership of of childcare and uh, family life than most. However, I, on the other hand, uh, was very lucky. So luck plays a part in that. I had a husband who works from home, you know, and that made a big difference to the way I was able to approach uh, work. But on the other hand, I changed my my perspective as well. I, even though I had a husband who shared childcare, I still went back to work very quickly because we needed to financially. Um, and and then you're you're in a constant state of well, I'm not going to do those things because I want to get home. And and you are doing that balance all the time that I think a lot of men don't have to do. And I think that does impact your career if you're working in a male-dominated environment, which I often have. Um, so I think the, the the problems remain the same, but I would say I think the pandemic has brought about a massive change in the way that men have been able to spend a lot more time at home and have found it absolutely wonderful to be able to take part in their family life more fully and I think that is going to really carry forward and have a a terrific impact in that there will be more equality and there will be more uh availability for men to take on more of that role and for women to forge forward. Look, I know lots of women who did forge forward um, and have managed to have it all, in in, in, the, in the words of the old dated magazines. But, you know, I think it, it fundamentally changes the way you think. Um, and, and I also think, you know, this might be a odd thing to say, but I also think women often have other interests and and, and want to see the bigger picture in in their lives. And I'm I'm, I'm not sure that's often recognised as a good thing. Um, And it's it's the truly 100% focused individual who's only focused on their job that gets recognised and rewarded. And I find that slightly disturbing. You know, Mm. I I think we should be recognising people's other interests and Acknowledging that that makes them possibly better leaders and more interesting people, definitely. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that that all starts to get recognised a bit more. Uh,
0: Many executive positions are dominated by men. Uh, Why do you think this is and how how might we work bringing more women into those positions?
1: Oh, it's a mystery, isn't it? It's a mystery. I'm surrounded by women in the event world, and then when you look at the people who are heading up boards and companies, it's still men. And you think, where do they all come from? <laughs> where do they all come from? Um, it's 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 baffling and frustrating in in equal measure. And again, I'm hoping that um, that the changes in the working Life, where where women ha- have now been afforded a lot more flexibility, and the fact that men have now uh, been able to uh, freely be more involved um, and work from home, and and you know made that a more equal um, formula. Really, I'm hoping that will start to have some effect. But, you know, I I, I would love somebody to to actually find out exactly why um, women reach a certain point and and then don't make it right to the top. Um, Because I think percentage wise, I'm sure there are statistics somewhere, but percentage wise, if you look at the number of uh, women who work in the events industry, and then compare that to the number of women who are on boards and lead large-scale companies. I, I think that's there's a definite discrepancy there. You know, I'd like to say, I mean, Efcom's board is very, very equal, male female, and we've done a lot of work uh, towards trying to make it more inclusive across different criteria. So not just gender, um, but we've still got a long way to go on that. But, um, yes, come on, everybody. More women on senior boards and more women running companies. That's what we need. More women ruling the world, in fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we are coming to the end of our podcast, I have one more question for you. Uh okay, what advice would you give to others out there who don't quite know what they want to do in their careers or are feeling a
1: bit lost? Right. Well, I think yeah, I'm going to say something here, which, you know, for young people, I think is often quite terrifying. Is I think they just need to pick up the phone and call people and talk to them. You know, I discovered many years ago when I was doing research and conference companies that if you ring somebody up and I would ring out the blue and I would be asking them about their job, what's hard, what's easy, what the problems are, da, da, da. If people like what they do, they love telling you about it. They love talking about their job and, and what they do. And I think if you're confused or concerned about making the right choices, I think you need to find people to speak to and and. Have a friendly conversation with, and you'll find that most people are happy to do that. You know, they're happy to talk to you about how they got in, what was hard, what they'd do differently. Um, is there something else that you know you might have done had you had an opportunity? I mean, you know, if I'd have could if I could start my life again and if I had known who to talk to at the time, I'd have tried to go into the film industry, but I knew nothing about it and I didn't know who to speak to, and it was a you know, a vague dream in, in the sort of early 80s in Yorkshire. Whereas I think now you can, you can find people, there are networks, there are um, opportunities to go and attend free things where you can find someone to talk to. And, and I don't mean researching on the internet. I really don't. I think you have to talk to people to find out why they did what they did and how they did it and what routes they took and what the reality was, um, and you'll find that you'll, you'll be pushing on an open door um, and tell as many people as you know, have you got someone interesting I can speak to? Because presumably you'd at least know, you know, I like working with people, so I want to work somewhere where I have to spend a lot of time communicating, talk with people, or actually, you know what, I'd rather work uh, on my own where I'm cracking on with projects and then you need to find people who, who, who operate in that and go talk to them and find out how they did it. But really, that, that to me is the best way.
0: Thank you for coming on our podcast and sharing your perspective with us today.
1: It's been my pleasure.
0: I hope it was useful to somebody. If you'd like to see similar content to this, you can follow us on our socials at Broadsword Event House on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or Broadsword Group on Twitter, or visiting our website at wearebroadsword.com. Thank you for listening and hope to see you on the next one. Bye for now!